0: Hi everybody and welcome to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class with me, your host, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books. If you are new here, if you have stumbled this way via Instagram or TikTok, hello, uh, I tend to tell history um, and information in a way that I try to be conversational. So it's generally just how I talk. Now, my language has been referred to as colourful on occasion. Um, downright blasphemous on others. But if you have an issue with, you know, cuss words, swear words, anything like that, um, you're going to want to exit stage left. Okay. Cool. Now that the rest of you are here, and uh, obviously people who have been listening for a long time. Hi. Hi, Tara. I. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, welcome. I am back. I have a voice again, kind of. I lost it a little from talking so much. So uh, if this sound is a bit funny, I am recording from a hotel room in Dublin. I'm staying in the Morrison Curio, um, the Morrison Curio by Hilton. And uh, yeah, I got in and I was just planning to drop my bag in. But I got, um, how do I put this? Uh they, they were just like, oh yeah, you know, you can just check in now. There's an early check-in fee, um, but we're going to upgrade you to a better room. And I was like, cool, yeah, no worries. That's wonderful. I was just going to drop in my luggage, but they just let me in. Now, why am I in Dublin, you ask? Well, I uh, was flying down, because I live 20 minutes in Donegal Airport, and the price of the flight was actually I think, cheaper than the price of a bus. So why, why travel uncomfortably for five hours when I can do it? for one. So I flew down, I dropped in my bag, and then went to be a guest on the Shite Talk History podcast, which I think is out this week, maybe next week, but I'm on that, talking about George Thomas, or interjecting about George Thomas, the man from Tipperary who became a Raja. Why do I roll my R's like that? I don't know. So yeah, why am I in Dublin also... So, yeah, uh, tonight is the Irish Podcast Awards. Uh, so, I was in for the listener's choice. So, I got to the top 10, but I didn't make the top 5. But that's fine. You know, it was, it was all right. I still beat the two Johnnies. So, <laughs> they didn't make the top 10. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. But, yeah, and it was my birthday Monday, yesterday. So, that was fun. I got to eat a Cuthbert. No, it's a lie. It was a Kira the Caterpillar cake. And um, my aunt's like, it doesn't have any legs on it. Because like the call in the caterpillar cake has legs. And I'm like, that's good. It doesn't have legs. It means it won't run away when I'm trying to eat it. So yeah, um, being the birthday girl, I got the option of eating the face. Which, if you don't know, is a delicacy. So yeah, uh, they put sparklers in the top of the cake, like little antennae. And I'm like braced against the wall because there's just flames and fire everywhere. And I'm like, let's let's not singe my eyebrows. I've got the awards tomorrow. Let's not. So yeah, flew down, dropped in the case, did the podcast. Now back in the hotel and I have several hours before the awards, which is just like downstairs and to the right a wee bit. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun night. I know a few of the podcasts that are going to be there. I know like the Paranormal Life Boys Uh, Kit and Rory. And I know Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories, who is fabulous. And I'm going to try and bully into a collab at some point. But yeah, that's been that's been today. It's been wild. And I've got the most ridiculous red dress to wear. And I'm very excited about it. And um, I've got a bit of a problem, though, because I noticed um, it's not as tight as it was because I lost weight from being sick. So it doesn't quite that the same way but hopefully hopefully it'll be fine I'm sure it'll be fine and my friend Cormac is coming you may know him as Paddy Shelby on TikTok or a Cormac on Instagram um he does a lot of Irish history and he's going to be guesting on one of my episodes uh I'm gonna say early next year just by the time we actually manage to sync up um, our watches you know just to get that going but yeah my voice is kind of going I think just from all the talking but yeah, it's been a it's been a good time. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit your jabber jabber and fact me, in fact, you I will. But first, we've got to get our source on. Our sources are, jailbreak: De Valera's daring prison escape by David McCullough. Eamon De Valera's escape from Lincoln Prison by Joel Murray. Prisoners of Conscience by Eric Gregg. Big Fellow Longfellow, a jaunt biography of Irish politicians Michael Collins and Eamon de Valera by T. Ryle Dwyer. Peter's Key, Peter de Lockery and the Fight for Irish Independence by Declan Dunn. How a Fruitcake Helped Eamon de Valera Escape Prison by Oliver Wright. We also have Historic Kilkenny, the National Museum of Ireland, and of course our old favourites, biography.com and history.com. Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then let's begin. So, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this story specifically is because I love jailbreaks. I think they're interesting, especially old timey jailbreaks. And this one is so objectively tropey and funny that I, if I was ever to write a jailbreak in a book, I would just fucking plagiarise it from history. Just steal it straight out of the page. Maybe ad lib some like. Comedy moments in there, but that is definitely what I would do. It's too good. Now, Dave Valera, by all accounts, bit of a bastard. But he does become the Taoiseach, which is the leader of Ireland. So some countries would have a president or a prime minister. This is Taoiseach. That's what he is. Or Taoiseach, I should say. Some people pronounce it Taoiseach, but uh, I don't do that because that's not how my dialect pronounces it because I'm from Donegal. Also, in addition, furthermore... Words sound weird coming out this mouth. Like I know I have an accent and some phrases will sound differently just because I'm saying them. Like I say some English words wrong. So the way that I pronounce things is just from my accent. Like I was like I was telling somebody the name of my podcast the other day, and I'm like, who did what now? And they're going, Who did? as in somebody died and I was like, No no, who did? As in somebody did something. It's it's you know, but my accent pronounces my eyes like ease to other people and that's that's just something I have to like knowingly correct a lot of the time because I I can't do it without changing my accent and I'm not gonna do that because my accent is part of my identity and it's a lovely accent so if you don't like it you can fuck off so devil there bit of a bastard fucked up a bunch of stuff and uh, let a bunch of religious people get away with a bunch of dodgy shit, which we will talk about another time, but not today. Because I want to talk about De Valera's jailbreak. So he ends up in prison in 1918, which is not the first time he has ended up in prison by the British government. Now, at this time, Ireland was still under British rule, but they were advocating for home rule. They wanted to rule themselves. Because they didn't want to be oppressed by a colonial force, who, you know, instigated a a genocide by creating a famine, and not the only country they did it to, at all. But anyway, ha ha ha! one day I'm going to talk about the famine, and that's going to be a day of no jokes, because it's just so fucking depressing, and I am full of so much rage about it. So. Again, not a second prison sentence because he was in prison in 1916 because he was part of the 1916 Rising. And unlike 15 other comrades, he didn't get executed. And people say it's because he was American, because he was born in America and because he has the surname De Valera, so it's kind of an interesting name. And people think it's because of that, that he was spared. But here's the thing. He was spared because he was really fucking lucky. Because he was in the McFitties factory, you know, the biscuits. He was there. So he was sort of one of the last people to be dealt with, to be caught. And when they first looked at his name, they were like, is he somebody important? Because, you know, Dave Valeris sounds important. And the response was, no, he's just a school teacher or a school principal from like wherever. Yeah, so they were like, It's not that important, he's just a teacher, like, and when the other rebels from the Easter Rising were executed, uh, which I will go into great detail one day, public opinion turned because one of the people that they executed, they brought out in a wheelchair and, uh, I've talked about this on TikTok many, many years ago and I was shaking doing it because I was so worried about the backlash because I get a lot of stuff where people go, you're an Anglo, you're an Anglo, just because, mainly the accent. But it's one of those things I think needs to be talked about more. But yeah, after these executions, the the whole public had just sort of turned against like a lot of people in Ireland were just kind of dealing with it. Like this is just how it is, you know. But when they started killing all these people for fighting for independence, people started getting really fucking mad. And because of this, and because of Dev being one of the last people to be to be caught effectively, he ended up just getting a, a prison sentence just to kind of appease people. And then he got off. Like, his half-brother and stuff, like, tried to... tried to petition on his behalf. And Dev was like, no, nah, it's fine, mate. Don't worry about it. You know, but, again, just lucky. He was just really fucking lucky that everything happened the way it did so that he did not get shot, effectively. Because it was a firing squad. But, yeah. Two years later, 1918, it and, uh... Dev is back in prison under trumped-up charges of conspiring with the Germans during the Great War. Um, It was the Great War at this time because uh, it was not yet known as World War I because they weren't expecting a fucking second one, but there we go. Ireland is fighting for home rule and a bunch of prominent figures in order to try and quash this continued rebellion... Because Britain didn't want Ireland having independence, they didn't want to rule itself, they wanted to still have access to the land and the resources and the funds and the power. but Ireland, yeah not not too keen on that now kinda kinda wanted its freedom, yeah, and so basically the leaders get these trumped up charges of conspiring with the Germans, which is um yeah wobbly wobbly a wee bit so they did buy guns they were trying to buy weapons from Germany not to aid Germany in war but to free themselves like it was not the same thing and really I don't think Britain has a leg to stand on when it's uh you know where it sends its arms and sells that to and it doesn't think that's an issue you know all of the places that sold weapons and arms to that then ended up fighting them specifically. It's almost as if... This is the pot call and the kettle black. I'm just saying. But yeah, they, a bunch of them just end up imprisoned. Which, just because they could... They really want to discredit De Valera's party and, of course, at the time the Irish Republican Army which was just the army at the time. It was the military arm of the Irish rebellion. You know, that's just what it was. It wasn't, you know, a terrorist group at the time. It had not yet evolved into that. So in May, 1918, Jay Valera and 72 other leading Irish nationalists, right? 73, so that's 73 people they've arrested, uh, basically, on allegations of conspiring with Germany, right? Some of them were carted off to Monmouthshire and others, including Dev here. And others, like Dev here, ended in Lincoln Prison. So they're in prison in Britain. That's where they are, just far away. It's far, well, not that far away. They're just across the sea. So they're, they're there. But because a lot of them hadn't actually been sentenced, they were just rounded up and jailed, I was pretty relaxed for a lot of them in Lincoln Prison. So yeah, they are arrested in May 1918. And there he stayed, even after, you know, the war was over, Germany had surrendered. So the very people he was supposed to be conspiring with had been dealt with. And yet there he stayed in prison on, well, trumped up charges. But, like, he, he kind of had a, a pretty sweet deal in prison. Because, like, he had, like, a typewriter and a gramophone. Like, he had comforts. Like, comforts of the era. And comforts are all well and good and all, but sometimes you don't want a gramophone, you just want your fucking freedom. And maybe to be a petty little bitch and rub it in the face of, you know, the very people who imprisoned you, you know. Maybe that. Maybe. So while Dev is in the clink, two major things happened. In 1918, on November 11th, the Great War ends. It is over. And one month later, there's a general election. So it's in the UK and it's in Ireland. So Sinn Féin, the political party, it just fucking sweeps the boards because the Irish people go out and they're pissed at this point. And they just vote en masse. And I think Sinn Féin gets, like, 73, 74, 73? 73 out of 105 Irish seats. So they are just knocking it out. And this is the party that's advocating for home rule. And Dev misses it. He's not directly involved, but he does, you know, he does hear about it. Like, they do have newspapers and things. Like, he gets the info. And, you know, even though things are pretty chill in prison... You know, he doesn't want to stay there. He wants to go out and being... He's smart. He might be a bastard, but he is smart. And what he wants to do is, you know, you know, just humiliate Britain. That's kind of the plan. So he's thinking, you know, of escaping prison, as one does. I feel like most inmates are, you know, at least considering getting the heck out of Dodge. You know what I mean? So he's in prison in England and wants to get out you know one because he wants his freedom ish and two because it's pretty much a coup on his part because can you imagine the embarrassment of one of the leaders of you know the 1916 risings one of the like main rebels escaping your prison like that's that's i mean it's clever but yeah but also embarrassing for britain And so, a plan is hatched in December 1918. So one day, Dev is out in the exercise yard, exercising, one would assume, and he spots a door. The door on the exercise yard leads to freedom. And this is where his brain starts ticking. Because that door, that slice of wood, or, you know, pieces of wood put together, are, you know, the one barrier, I say one, one of a few, but the main barrier between him and getting out. But in Lincoln Prison, Dev didn't just hang about the exercise yard, oh no, he was an altar boy. So you could volunteer to be an altar boy in, in the prison. I don't know, maybe you've got good behaviour stuff, maybe it was just so you had something to do, or maybe you're just very religious, whom's to say? But Dev being a good Catholic Irish fella, volunteers to be an altar boy, he also notices as an altar boy that the priest in the prison, the prison priest, he is uh, not exactly great with his keys. He's got a habit of just like leaving them down, misplacing them. I feel like though, if you're in any sort of possession of power and a prison and you have a set of keys, I feel like in general, you should you know, have a better grip on them in, in more ways than one. Like, you should try to keep them on you. It just feels a little, uh, what's the word, uh, irresponsible. But I don't know, part of me is thinking, what if the priest, like, just kept deliberately leaving his keys around? Like, maybe he was just forgetful. Maybe the priest had ADHD. We don't know. Maybe he just left things places. You know, it, it could be, it could be anything. But yeah. The priest has a habit of leaving his keys around. And because Dev is an altar boy, he has access to those keys. And this is the sneaky, heisty, escape plan stuff happens. This is glorious. So he takes a church candle. Dev Valera finds an old wax candle. And it's nice and soft. It's malleable. And when the priest isn't looking, he makes an impression of the key and the wax and then takes the you know the candle stump with him. I don't know if you're used to sort of Catholic churches, but there are a lot of candles. Something to do with the light of God or the light of Jesus or the Holy Spirit or one of the holy things. Um I know we light candles like on behalf of people. I don't know what the candle itself is supposed to represent or why we're burning things to represent care. Because I feel like burning things is sort of the opposite. It kind of feels a wee bit pagan, doesn't it? Nope, not going to get into that today. But it does, though. I'll leave it. Yeah. So, lots of candles and churches. So a couple go and especially the stumps. Nobody's really going to notice, especially this priest, because clearly he is forgetful as fuck. So Dev, he brings this waxy stump, this wee impression of the key, and he needs somebody to make a copy of it. Because they have to try and get this impression out to someone. So that, you know, they can get out the fucking door. And of course, they couldn't just like write it in a letter and be like, hey, can you copy this key? Mm." Because although the prison itself was pretty relaxed for them, the guards were reading their mail. They were going to their letters just to make sure there wasn't any sort of, you know, mischief afoot. But lucky for them, fellow prisoner... Sean Milroy was a cartoonist and using his artistic skills they come up with a fantastic idea of drawing the key or the dimensions of the key on like a postcard but what they do because it's before Christmas is they make it a Christmas card and yeah so they draw this Christmas card and there's like a big picture and then like a little picture inside it so the big picture is a drunk man holding a key Trying to get into his house, and it says Xmas 1917, can't get in. And then there's like a little picture of a man in a prison cell going 1918, can't get out. So it's like it's very hinty. They're like, hey, eh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know what I mean? And luckily for them, the guards are not sort of thrown off by this. They think this is a perfectly reasonable Irish humour. Postcard for Christmas, clearly. uh, This is definitely something they do. And I just, not, not, there's like a giant fucking key on the front of it. Not be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Like that's, that's fine, I guess. So the Christmas card is sent and it reaches Dublin. So their allies are looking at this and they decipher what it means and they realise that they want a key cut. And so that's exactly what they do. So they get a key cut. It gets baked into a fruit cake. That's right, that's right. an actual trope. they put it in a cake. And people are like, "Why a fruit cake? not why a sponge cake?" It's 1918. We're still coming off of sugar rations, right? And it's Christmas time. So a fruit cake is a traditional Christmas cake. You wouldn't be surprised to be seeing it, you know, around this time of year. And we have a weird sort of assumption that fruit cakes aren't nice, but it's because a lot of the cakes we have now are so full of like extra sugars and sweeteners and everything else. And this would have been one of the, you know sweeter options for cakes back in the day. It's also full of booze, which is quite nice for some people. Now, carrot cake also was one of those sort of sweeter vegetables, and so that's an option for cakes. But yeah, this fruit cake. It may have a wee bit of carrot in it. I don't know the exact recipe, but I'm going to find a 1918 recipe for, for, for fruitcake and I'll bake it for next Christmas and I'll put a key in it. Don't know what kind of key. I will find one and figure it out. But yeah, um, a fella named Finton Murphy takes the cake to a prison. And so he goes there, he tells them he's a commercial traveller not, not the best of a... Uh, like, mm, I'm a commercial traveller. Don't be surprised by the accent and the fact that my name is Fintan. Like, But yeah, he goes in and the warden's there and he gets the cake and he starts poking it with a knife. It's like this really fine thin knife and he's just like, poking this cake. And for Fenton, a uh, terror is gripping his very soul because he's like, shit, what if they hit the key? And he is standing there quietly panicking inside his head and his heart. But luckily, the knife never comes in contact with the key. And uh, no one noticed just how much Fenton Murphy was sweating. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So the key goes in. I say the key goes in. No, that's wrong. The cake goes in. They get the cake and they're like, yay, thanks for the lovely cake. And luckily enough, none of the guards wanted some of the incredibly delicious fruitcake. So they get the key... And they plan their escape and they get the key in the lock. But the key is too small. It's too small. And Sean Milroy, he's like, I made it the exact dimensions of that wax impression. Like, I did it exact. I did my bit, you know. I don't know why it's so small. But then they realize that between making the impression and bringing sort of the wax stump in, like it had contracted so because it expanded with the heat, but as it cooled, it contracted and it just it just didn't fit. So it shrunk. So he was drawing a smaller key. So they basically do something similar. They basically try it again. So they make the wax impression and they try and get the sketch done quicker the second time. But obviously they can't draw another Christmas card, so they just draw another pattern so it's effectively this ornate celtic design with the key sort of hidden in it like where's wally but with a key so it's sort of hidden in the design or you know like one of those tattoo cover-ups you do so it's sort of in it because they're like oh look we're irish it's a thing and so it gets sent out and another key comes in in a fruitcake again stabby stab stab doesn't get discovered thank goodness so the cake comes in and of course they eat more fruit cake because delicious and (laughs) I don't even eat fruit cake because I don't eat cooked fruit so like I'm like trying to promote fruit cake fruit cake and bar and brack and other delicious things that I don't eat because cooked fruit makes me go okay I have I have food sensitivity issues because of ADHD um which is like really sweet because I got offered blueberry muffins by the Shite Talk History podcast yesterday because uh, the girlfriend, Kevin's girlfriend, baking, loves baking and she'd made these blueberry muffins but I was like I'm really sorry I don't eat cooked fruit and it's like I have cookies and um, I think they're whoopie, whoopies I think they're called, like they're these chocolate sort of domey cookies and they were oh uh, with powder, they were delicious. They were absolutely delicious. Um, I was like, Kevin was making me a coffee as well. And he's like holding these two bags of sugar because I asked for sugar. And one of them is like granulated sugar and castor sugar. And he's pausing. And I can tell that this is a look of a man who does not know the appropriate sugar. And I'm like, castor sugar is more refined. It's for baking. And then the granulated sugar is for the coffee. And he was like, oh, okay. like, it's fine. (laughs) Because I got coffee in, in cookies. So like, I can't complain. It was very lovely and but yeah um i'm here promoting food i don't eat just because i can't eat it but my kids like it so it's gonna be a wee bit good i'm a mum so you know what bring back fruitcake Fuck it we should so yeah they try it again they go through the whole palaver and they try the key in the lock but yet again the key is too small they've fucked it up again And now they're like, okay, we need a new plan. Because as we know, there are four rules to making a plan. Make the plan, execute the plan, expect the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. And that is exactly what happened here. So clearly, uh, these guys fucking love fruitcake and the prison guards are like, clearly nothing's going on with this fruitcake. Because... They're having a lot of it and no shit has started, right? No issues, everybody's fine, everybody's chillin'. But that's about to change. So end of January, beginning of February, roughly about this time, the fellas receive another cake. Another fruit cake, which is described as oblong, peculiar, and oblong. That is the two main sort of descriptors for this cake that I have seen everywhere. Peculiar and oblong. Now I, I've i never, I mean I've probably seen an oblong cake but I have rarely heard a cake described specifically as oblong. So this oblong cake comes in and they don't check it. Why? Because it's a fucking fruit cake, and these boys are just mad for it apparently. And they check it and nobody thinks it's a bit heavy. See, the thing about fruitcakes is they're pretty dense. It's a dense cake. They're kind of heavy. You would not want to be smacked with one. I'm not speaking from experience. And these cakes, again, pretty dense, pretty heavy. So if there's a blank key and a bunch of fucking files in them, files in a cake. Now, remember when I talked about tropes? I was talking about all the tropes of things. fails. And a cake. So they've got a blank key, or some blank keys, and this. Uh-huh. Just fails. And there's this other prisoner, Peter de Lockery, who I think is from Kilkenny originally. And so he had somehow been allowed to examine a prison lock. Um, I say allowed, he somehow managed to examine a prison lock because he took it apart with a screwdriver that he somehow acquired. We don't question it, we just accept. And so he gets this key. He's a wee locksmith, by the way, also. ah, Who are we going to lock up in the prison? A fucking locksmith? That's not going to be an issue for any of us, is it? Not a cause for concern? Apparently not. So he's there and he makes this and key. So he fashions a skeleton key effectively to open any door in the prison. And he's just, he's just, he's the reason really. Like without his skill, the rest wouldn't have happened. And now, 3rd of February, shit goes down. At about 20 to 8, so 7.40 p.m. on the 3rd of February, 1919, Eamon de Valera, Sean Milroy and Sean McGarry take the Lockery's key and they open their cell doors. Now, they're not fools, so they do lock them behind them. And so they sneak through the prison under the cover of night, until they get to the exercise yard. So clearly these fellows have been writing to each other in code, you know, because fellow Republicans, high ranking Republicans, are waiting for them on the other side of that door in the exercise yard. So Harry Boland and Michael Collins are on the other side of that door. The three prisoners had made it this far. There was one door between them and freedom. And so they get to the door and they put De Lockery's master key in it and they turn it in the lock and it fucking snaps. All of this work, all of this time, winter in Lincoln. And they are just stuck. Luckily for them, though, Michael Collins also had a key cut. He had the wherewithal to do that. And so he slots his key into the lock, knocking the broken key out of the door. Because, you know, old-timey doors, you could have done that. Turns the key and the three men are free. And this is my favourite part of the story. So they've gone through this. They have tried to get a key made. Key was too small. They smuggled stuff in in a cake. They drew another picture, sent it out again. The fucking cake comes back. Key's too small again. And so they send a blank key and some files. And they do it again. And it finally fucking works, right? And they're about to get out the door. Key breaks. Luckily, there's another key because the other fellow was smart enough to have one. Unlocks it. Gets them out. And then... Puts... Dave Valera, in a big fur coat. Because it's winter, you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising to see a woman in a fur coat. And so they totter away. They go past some drunk sort of soldiers with their gals. And so they're kind of walking, trying to make it seem like they're just a gang, a couple, just having fun on a night out. And so off they go. But, you know, they're still in fucking England, so that's a bit of an issue when you don't want a manhunt, you know, because you're a political prisoner who is embarrassing the country by escaping. And so they totter around and they get to the Adam and Eve pub and there was a taxi waiting for them. So they jump in the taxi and it gets them up to works up in Nottinghamshire. And so by the time, like, Lincoln Prison realises they've escaped, like, two hours later, about half nine, 9.30pm, the fellas have gone in another taxi from walks up to Sheffield. So basically they've just gone boop, 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 jumping in one taxi to the other to kind of evade sort of any specific trail. Because there's a car waiting for them in Sheffield to take them to a safe house in Manchester. But yeah, the three prisoners have escaped, so a manhunt begins. And the reason that they actually noticed they were gone is because as they were just sort of rushing to leave, they didn't lock the door. So they locked their cells, but they didn't lock, you know, the, the door in the exercise yard. So if they'd done that, they would have had a bit more time before having to get to the safe house. I like, sorry, but this is like the most ballsy thing ever because you've got three massive leaders of the rebellion. You've got Michael Collins, you've got Eamon de Valera, and you've got Harry Boland. So, if the three of them are caught, like, it's it's a shit-hits-the-fan situation for Ireland. Like, these are the three main players. It, it's big bollocks if they get stuck. But, of course, they said, fuck this for a game of soldiers. They're getting out of there. And after this, he manages to get on a boat But after the safe house anyway, they manage to get on a boat and Dev goes across the Irish Sea. So Sinn Féin, they have swept the boards. They are winning at politics, one could say. And so they're supposed to go to Westminster to take their seats in Parliament. But they refuse to go. So instead of heading to the UK, they decide they're going to set up their own government in Ireland, which is in Dal Eirne. And I think in April of that year, I think it's April that year that Dev shows up, unless I'm mixing up some facts. Anyway, they set up their own government and that is, well, that's really that last push for Home Rule. But yeah, that is the story of deal break, And it's just one of those things, it's one of those pieces of history which I just found just so much fun. It really is. And uh, if you liked my retelling of this tale from a (laughs) hotel room in Dublin, um, as I get ready to go to an award show, please feel to rate and review five stars. I would greatly appreciate it. And and I I very much very much love it. Um, stuff is going on the Patreon. Um, God, soon because I've I've got the first Who Done It What Now recorded. I just have to put it up, but I want to get like a couple of chapters done before I start putting it up in case, you know, I missed something. And I'm going to have things scheduled for when I'm in Disneyland with the kids because the last payment was made and we're going to Disney. Mm, I'm very excited. So if, yeah, if you liked it, rate and review five stars. Don't forget you can follow me on the socials. I'm on Instagram. Instagram? Instagram, Frankenstein. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, X, formerly known as Twitter. Apparently, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I should just like Shout into the void. In that point, that's just me screaming into the abyss on, on on uh Twitter, and then of course I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm trying to get better at posting on Facebook, but I'm just the absolute worst. <laughs> this is why I need a team. I need a, like an actual team because it's just me, and I I as you can tell, I'm struggling, but at least I can talk again, which is, you know, as someone who podcasts, very handy and greatly appreciated. And so it is recommendation time. I'm excited for this. Uh, So I'm going to recommend a fiction book. Can you believe it? For reading a fiction book. Me, actually reading fiction. I had some time. I had some opportunities. And so I read Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus, And it is so good. It is absolutely so good. You should definitely read it. And for listening, I am going to suggest and recommend the lovely Real Life Ghost Stories podcast with Emma, who's fucking fabulous and I can't wait to see you tonight because I know she's going to be here. So we need to go listen to that. If you like anything sort of spooky, stuff like that, she is, she's just fab. So go listen to that. And for watching, you know what, go see the Marvels. It's fun. I think I may have recommended that last week, but go see the Marvels. (laughs) It is fun. Everybody should go see it. I don't care. It doesn't have this. Oh, not every superhero movie needs layers of trauma. Sometimes you can just go see a comic book movie. Like, up until recently, no offense, up until recent years, like the highest selling comic books were like Archie. Because, like, the romance comics were like the big sellers. And not every comic has fucking superheroes, but that's not the point. The point is, it's great. You should go watch it. It's fun. Is it the best movie I've ever ever seen in my life? No. It doesn't fucking have to be. Get over it. Anyway. 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 With that, I shall bid you farewell. And I already have a really good plan for next week's episode. I'm really excited. But I shall bid you farewell. My absolute wonderful listeners. You're just amazing. You really are. And... Um, I want to just really, before I go, say how much I appreciate all of you who have stayed with me, even with me not being great the last few weeks. Um, my scan got delayed, so now I'm looking for another time for my scan. I'm trying to get it done sooner, but you hopefully that'll be fine. Anyway, point being, you're all are amazing. I appreciate you. And I shall see you next time. Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir, my friends. Bye-bye.